This is a psalm where David, he pours his heart out before the Lord. A psalm where we have seen that David is truly vulnerable before God. He is brutally honest with the Lord. He is in a deeply desperate place as he goes to the Lord in this psalm. He is desperate for the Lord to act on his behalf as the enemies of God once again surround him. The Word of God, it is often so rich and so applicable to our modern life. While we will almost undoubtedly not go through the exact circumstances of David, I'm pretty sure none of us will be the king of Israel, (laughs) but we will undoubtedly feel the same struggle in life that David felt. We will have the same desire for God when we are in the trial. We will also feel like David an abandonment at times, wondering where God is, wondering when God will act on our behalf. David in this psalm, he cries out to God four times, saying, How long, O Lord? He is experiencing here in this text a refining trial of the Lord. And he really truly is in an excruciating place for him. You can hear the anguish from his soul as he cries out to the Lord. How long, O Lord? As I've studied this psalm, and as I've studied the Scriptures, I'm convinced over and over again that if you are a child of the living God, if you are one who is born again, those who are truly sons and daughters of the King, God will allow such trials to come into your life as He did David's life. God will permit for you someday to have this same heartache as David does here. There will be a fiery trial in your future. I can almost guarantee it. And you might ask why. Why would God allow such things? Well, because God loves His children. God loves those who are His. He loves His son and daughter. And he does not want to leave his children the way they are. No good father would want to leave their child in their sin. And so God, the greatest father, he loves us, he cares for us, and he wants our stiff-necked, our hearts that are filled with pride, our sinful nature to be destroyed. And so every single day of our life, God is working in us to conform us to the image of his Son. And sometimes that comes through the lowest valley that we can imagine. And you may find yourself, like David, in a very dark place. And at times you might wonder, what is God doing? You might wonder, why is He taking so long to answer me? You might wonder, has His favor turned against you? And you will say, like David, how long, O Lord? How long must I be in this trial? How long, God, until you change my circumstance? How long until you deliver me, O Lord? How long must I wait until your salvation is here? We will all most likely feel this way at some point in our life. I'm going to tell you here today, if you have none of this in your life, if there is no trial, if there is no refinement of God, if there is no Spirit of the living God working within you, if there is no pain in your life, if there is no distress in your life, I would be very worried 
if I were you. I'll tell you why. I have an example of this. I had a conversation with an unbeliever. They called and they asked me, because of some hard times that had fallen upon their life, they, they were going through an immense trial and it, it seemed to be going on and on and on. And so they called and they asked me, what does God want from me? This trial was dragging on and they were des desperate to find freedom from it. At this point in time, I shared the gospel of grace with them. I told them that God wanted them to repent and to trust in Christ. I told them that what God wants from them is that they would surrender all to Jesus Christ. As I talked on the phone to this individual, I told him, it is typically in my experience that there's some idol, there's some person, there's something in their life that they are worshiping other than God. Ultimately, that could very be themselves. They've considered their wants, their desire, and their will more important than God. It's something in their life that is in the place of God. Something in their heart that they just flat want more than Him. And God, through this trial, was simply telling this person, you cannot serve two masters. So you have to forsake the one and follow Christ. And ultimately, God had given this person grace. Even though they felt like it was the worst time of their entire life, this grace in their life was to bring them low. It was to humble them by their circumstances so they might see their need for Jesus Christ. But this person, tragically, when they heard this news, when they heard what God expected of them, they chose their sin over Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you here tonight, the scariest thing in the world is this, that you would find contentment in this life without Jesus Christ. The scariest thing in this world is that you would have every single thing you ever wanted, but you did not know Jesus Christ. If there would be no longer any trial in your life, no longer any heartache in your life, if you had everything you ever wanted, your life was easy and full of happiness. You gained what it seemed like the whole world, but you lost your very soul. It would be an utter tragedy. J.C. Ryle said this, health is a good thing, but sickness is better if it leads you to Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Health is a good thing, but sickness is better if it leads you to God. And you could say this, wealth is a good thing, but poverty is much better if it leads one to Jesus Christ. Nothing in this world is ever more important than God. As I study this psalm, as I study the scriptures, I see often that the will of God is that for the believer, He brings refinement in our life because He wants to change us. He does not want to leave us where we are. He wants to grow us in Him. He wants us to grow closer to Him. He wants us to change from one degree of glory to the next. And I'm going to tell you here tonight, it does not happen in the good times of life. It comes through the trial. And really, after you reading Scripture, I have no idea why we've accepted this teaching in our land. Some of you might have heard it called the prosperity gospel. 
But the truth of the Scriptures flies in the face of this. It's nowhere to be found. God is not going to give you everything you want in this life. There are times where you're going to be in need. There are times where you're going to be in pain. There are times when you're going to be sick. There are going to be hard times in life. I want you to think about this psalm tonight. These psalms do not make it in Scripture without hard times in life. You're not crying out to God. You're not relying on God with all your heart, soul, and mind unless the hard time came. And that's what we see in this psalm. It is rare, if ever, that in a good time of life, someone would come to the end of themselves and trust in Christ. In the good times in life, you don't say things like David does here, God, unless you act, I'm going to die. In the good times of life, you're not so desperate for God that all you can do, as David does in this psalm, is trust in his salvation and hold tight to the fact that he has dealt bountifully with you in the past. No, it happens in the hard times of life. It happens when that loved one, that one you care about so much, they walk away from the faith. When your child that you love so much, you see them struggle in life and reject Jesus Christ over and over again. It happens in those difficult times when there's a nagging thorn in your flesh that you can't get rid of. It happens when you're wrongly persecuted for the sake of Christ. It happens when you have to beg God because you can't make your home payment. Or when people that hate God slander your name. It happens in the hard times of life. The trial will come. Hear me tonight. It will come. Depression, valleys, low lows, despair, doubts, they come. The important thing is going to be, what are you going to do when they come? Are you going to be prepared for it, Christian? Are you going to be ready when the dark times come in life? And tonight, we can learn a lot and how to prepare for them from this psalm of David. Look with me. At verse 1, David says there, How long, O Lord? How long will you forget me forever? David has a sense that this trial has gone on so long. It's so difficult that he's, he's saying God is distant from him. That God has forgotten him. And so he cries out to the Lord, How long? How long? Until you answer my prayer. How long, Lord, until you hear me? How long until you deliver me? How long, O oh Lord? He continues saying, How long will you hide your face from me? Because God had not acted in David's timing, he questions whether or not the Lord will act. He's sensing that the Lord has withdrawn from him. That his favor, the countenance of his favor has turned away from him. David here is struggling because he wants God to act in his timing. David, he is growing impatient with the Lord. He's longing to have his circumstances changed. He's longing that the Lord would reveal to him what his plan is. 
He's longing that the Lord would act in a mighty way. David, in this psalm, you can hear his heart, his desire. He's asking God to free him from his current circumstance. God, free me from these enemies that have come against him. David seeks the face of God. And he asks, how long, O Lord? In verse 2, he says, how long must I take counsel in my soul? What is David talking about here? Because God is distant, because this trial has gone on and on, because of the sheer length of it, David has taken counsel within himself. What's that look like? We all know what it would look like. You're going through a situation, and it's like a revolving door in your head. It's, it's just all you can think about over and over again. David has taken counsel within his own soul. He's trying to figure out, how can I fix this? How can I make this situation right? He's all of a sudden relying on himself instead of God. He's taking counsel within his own soul. Basically saying to God, how long must I look for answers within myself? He's expressing to God his inner turmoil here in this situation. He is in anguish because of this trial. Day and night, he has anxiety over this circumstance. That's really what he is telling us here, that it is consuming his thoughts. And so he cries out to God, how long must I look within myself for answers? He goes on to say, how long must I have sorrow in my heart? And so his inner being, his inner man, he's, he's sorrowful to his core because of what is going on. He says in verse 2, he says, How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? David is in deep depression here in this psalm. He's expressing resentment in the fact that the enemies of God have been exalted over him. They have prevailed against him to the degree that he believes that his very life is on the line. That if they prevail, David says that he will sleep the sleep of death. He is struggling to see how God is going to work this out. God, how are you going to get me out of this situation? He's struggling to see God's plan, and he has fallen into a deep sorrow because of it. In verse 3, he says to God, Consider and answer me, O God. Lord, he cries out to God in prayer in the midst of this trial. So in the midst of this depression, in the midst of this sorrow, in the midst of feeling as if God has forgotten him, in the midst of feeling that God has hidden his face from him, in the midst of these anxieties that are going over and over again in his mind, he finds the solution to what ails him. The solution is prayer to his holy God. His solution is to cry out to the Lord. It is to cry out in supplication that the Lord would hear his voice. Can you hear David in this psalm crying out, Consider me, answer me, O Lord, crying out to his only hope in this desperate situation. He's crying out that the Lord would answer him from heaven that the Lord would deliver him from the hands of his enemy. He goes on in verses 3 and 4 here, asking the Lord to hear him, asking the Lord to consider his words 
asking the Lord to answer his prayer. He also says there, he asked God to light up his eyes. Let sleeps the sleep of death. So he's asking God, give light to my eyes. He's asking God, grant me eyes to see. God, I cannot see how it's possible that you're going to work this out in front of me. I need eyes to see. He's asking God to give him wisdom to let me see this from your vantage point, God. He says, if God does not do this, if God does not act, if God does not save him, that he will sleep the sleep of death. I mean, that's a pretty desperate situation that David finds himself in. He's praying that the Lord rescue him. And he believes without divine intervention, the enemies will prevail and he will die. That's what the text is teaching us tonight. I want you to think about this from David's perspective. Remember who David is. He's the chosen king of God. He's the anointed one. A man after God's own heart, as the scriptures say. A man who boldly and courageously defeated Goliath. A man who they sang a song saying he had killed his 10,000 enemies. This was a mighty man of God. He believed God. He believed God's word. He was God's anointed one. He so believed in the promises of God. He had faith in God. Remember what God told David in 2 Samuel 7.16? That of his throne it would endure forever. That David's own seed, that David's own heritage would be a throne, a Davidic king that would never end. And David believed these things. And of course, we know who that king was. Ultimately, it was Jesus Christ. But the point is this. This is who David is. And he writes this psalm. This is who David is, the anointed king of God, and he writes this psalm, finding himself in a desperate situation, struggling in his faith. And he cannot see how God will prevail. How God will maintain this throne of his. How God will keep his promises. But one thing David has done right in this psalm, is that in his despair, where has he gone? He's gone to God. Take that away from this sermon tonight. In any time of despair, go to God. He's gone to God to rely on him. David is totally bankrupt here, apart from God. Remember, I'm going to die if God does not act. He's dependent on his Lord. There's no hope apart from him. There's no deliverance apart from God. He will not live without God. And so David, right here in this psalm, is deeply dependent on God. And in my notes I have written here, God has David right where he wants him. Dependent on him. You know, we struggle to be dependent on God so often in life. And ultimately, this is why God allows the hard times. He wants us. To hope in him. And that's what it tells us right here. That David is dependent on the Lord. 
He's basically said, God, if you do not act there in verse 4, the enemies will prevail over me. And really, we're starting to see that David, his heart is turning to where it started with utter depression, utter desperation. Now he's turning to, I'm going to trust in God. I'm suffering, but I'm going to trust in God. I know I'm going through this impossible situation, but I'm going to trust in God. 1 Peter 4.19 tells us exactly what David is doing. It says there, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing so. David's done exactly what we are to do when those hard times come in life. Entrust ourselves to God. Verse 5 and 6 tell us why those hard times come in life. They come in life because... David had to be brought to this point. Because like you and me, David was full of pride. He hoped in himself. Remember, early in the psalm, he's taking counsel within his own heart. He's finding hope within himself. God, I'm going to have to fix this situation by myself. But he has to get to this place where he's been fully crushed. And he sees no other hope in life other than God. And that ultimately is why this has come upon David. Because God wants him to see that while it is impossible with him, all things are possible through God. He remembers here in verses 5 and 6, he remembers the character and the nature of God. He remembers that the Lord of hosts loves him. He remembers that God has not left him or forsaken him. He remembers that this God, while he has felt distant, like this trial has been impossible, he all of a sudden remembers, wait a minute, this God is for me. This God loves me. This God cares for me. This God saved me. And this God has dealt bountifully with me before. He reminds himself of the goodness of God. While these circumstances are truly less than ideal, David is not going to let those circumstances change his faith in God. Too often, people forget about the good character of God because they do not like their circumstances in life. Did you hear that? Often, we forget about how good God is because we don't like the cards that we've been dealt in life. I hate this that I'm going through, so all of a sudden, God must not be good. But that's not the case. And David is telling you this. He's literally on the brink of death. And he's saying, God is the God of salvation, and God has dealt bountifully with me. And his steadfast love, it endures forever. No matter what we go through in life, God is good. No matter what. And that's what we can learn from this psalm. And that's what he does right here in verse 5. He reminds himself of the truth. And ultimately, he starts this, this psalm in anguish, but he's going to end it in singing praises to God. He's in a, an immense trial, but he's going to be singing to God, rejoicing in God. Look with me at verses 5 and 6. Verse 5, he says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. So David, he's been in the valley, and now his spirits are ascending to the mountain. 
He is confident that the Lord has heard his prayer. That God is worthy of his trust. That God will not fail him. That God's love does endure forever. And that God will deliver his king from his enemies. Verse 4 says that the enemies, they, they long to rejoice when David is overthrown. But what's David say here? That he will rejoice in something far more certain. The fact that God will rescue him. In verse 6 it says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Hear David's heart in this verse. He knows that God's salvation is much more than he deserves. If the song had been written, he would be singing Amazing Grace right here. He's saying, God has given me far more than I ever deserve. I'm a sinner that's been saved by the grace of God. He's saying, I know God has dealt so graciously with me in the past, and I know he's going to do it in the future. Do you know that here tonight? That God has been so gracious to you all the days of your life, and you can guarantee that he'll be gracious to you for the rest of your life. God has been good to this sinful man. And he knows he's a man that lives by the grace of God. He knows that everything that he's ever received, his throne, his crown, everything, his faith, it's all a gift from God. He knows the character of God. And he knows that God will continually deal bountifully with him. David is so confident in this prayer. Listen closely to his words. He speaks as if the salvation has already taken place. He's so confident that God will answer him, that God will deliver him from the hands of his enemies, that he says, God, you've already saved me. Your salvation has already come. It's as if God has already delivered him. It says here he has found joy in the salvation of the Lord. And that joy is transcending his circumstances. He's looking beyond what's around him. And he's saying, I'm going to hope in God because God is that good. His faith in God is what draws him out of his despair. And ultimately, that's the answer to all depression in all of life. What will draw you out of the despair is faith in the holy God. It is confidence in the Lord and who he is. So we've looked at this text tonight. How can we take this to our, our lives, our daily lives? Trials, they're going to come. Despair, it could very well come. Depression, it might come into your life. When they come, what must we do? We must be like David right here in this psalm and we must pour our hearts before the Lord. We must go to the God in prayer and we must get it all out on the line. You know, so often we, we have these prayers where we, we go to the Lord very regimented as if He doesn't know our thoughts right before we even pray. As if we can hide things from the omniscient, all-knowing God of the universe. No, we need to be like David, and we need to pour our hearts out before God. David, in this psalm, he internalized everything. He took it all upon his own shoulders. He cast his own cares on his own shoulders, and he says, I'm going to do this. How often do we do that in life? How often do we let our circumstances just eat us up in life? Thinking, God, I'm going to take care of all of this by myself. 
And I'm going to tell you, when we think we can do things without God, when we do like David, when we take it to our own soul, when we wrestle with these things inside of our own hearts, when we struggle to look to God, when we struggle to depend on God, when we struggle to be desperate for God, when we do this, it leads to more and more hopelessness in our life. It leads to more and more despair in our life. It leads to more and more depression in our life. It leads to more and more anxiety in our life. You need to look outside of yourself. You need to hope in the one who is worthy of all hope. It doesn't need to be within you. You're a sinner saved by grace. We're nothing without God. Why would we hope? Why would we look inside of ourselves for the answers? We need to go to God. And we need to pray. And we can even pray, How long, O Lord? And as we cast these prayers upon Him, as we take all of our cares to the Lord, then we wait on the Lord. We patiently wait on the Lord for His timing. What was David's great struggle here? I want it in my timing. I don't want to wait on God. How long, O Lord? But we need to be patient with God. And let Him answer our prayers in His own time. He is God, and we are not. Steve Lawson, he commented on this text. He said this, for application to our lives. In the storms of life, God must be the believer's first resource. Not after the trial's gone on and on and on and on, then you go to God. No, it's the first resource is going to God in prayer. God is to never be a last resort. Then after praying, we must patiently wait for God to act. The Lord's timing is always perfect. It is never too late. And true faith gives the Lord time to work. So after you pray, like David, our prayers then should turn to praise. I'm going to tell you tonight, God is worthy of our praise even in the trials of life. What did Job say? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God is worthy of our praise in every circumstance of our life. In the hard times, praise Him because His love is unfailing. In the hard times, praise Him because He's a saving God and He has shown you great grace. In the hard times, praise Him because He has dealt bountifully with you all the days of your life. In the hard times of life, praise Him because He has shown you grace beyond what you can ever imagine. Praise Him because He's shown you His great love through Christ, your Savior. Praise Him even in the hard times of life. I want to end this sermon tonight with this. God will never change. He is the unchanging God. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not change. And so that being said, his character can always be trusted. God can always be trusted no matter what happens in your life. In Christ, you need to remember this, that God is a saving God, that God is a bountiful God, no matter what. No matter what. 
no matter your circumstance, God does not change. His promises do not cease. His word is still true. He is still good. He is still on his throne, no matter what. He's still working all things according to the counsel of his will. All things according to the counsel of his will. He's still using every single circumstance in your life for your good. That's not changing. No matter what it is, he's going to use it for your good because you're a child of the living God. He's going to use it to conform you to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. No matter what happens in life, God has not changed. Many people walk away from the faith because they don't like the hand that they've been dealt. And they say to themselves, God has now dealt harshly with me. But that's not what the text says. And that's not true. God has dealt bountifully with you. So if you get cancer tomorrow, he's not changed. He's still good. If a loved one dies tomorrow, he has not changed. He's still good. If many slander your name and ruin your reputation, he's not changed. God is still good. If the world around you is dark and evil and the days are evil and horrible things happen in our midst, God has not changed. He is still good. If you are his, he is a saving God and he has dealt bountifully with you no matter what. Don't let your circumstances in life change your view of God. Let God be God, because I promise you, while we might change, he will never change. He wants to refine you in the trial. He wants to change you from one degree of glory to the next. He wants you to grow closer to him. He wants you, like David in this psalm, to be desperately dependent on the Lord. Not as your last resort, but as your first resort in all of life. So please today, trust him.